0: Good morning. So glad to see you all here in worship, and we're grateful for those of you worshiping with us online. Uh, Pastor Jim and Carrie Ann are finishing up their vacation today, so I'm grateful to have the opportunity to share a little bit from God's Word with you today. Uh, We're going to be reading in the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 18. So if you want to turn your Bible or get your phone out and use your Bible app, that's a great way to do it as well. That's usually what I do. The Matthew 18, we're going to start with verse 21. So this is uh, a conversation between Peter, uh, one of Jesus' disciples, and Jesus. So would you listen for the word of the Lord? Then Peter came. And said to Jesus, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, Not seven times, but I tell you, seventy seven times. Jesus continues with this parable For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold together with his wife and children and all of his possessions and payment to be made for his debt. So the slave fell on his knees before him saying, Have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him... The Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. Isn't that a great story? It's a story about a man who just wanted more time to pay a debt that he owed. But instead of giving him more time, the king just forgave the debt altogether. I like stories like that stories with a happy ending, stories that make us feel warm and fuzzy inside, don't you? If only that were the end of the story. Let's keep reading in this parable from Jesus. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him by the throat, he said, pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will Pay you, but he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all the debt. That because you pleaded with me, should you not have mercy on your fellow slave as I have had mercy on you? And in his anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he should pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. May God add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. Ouch, right? This is not the ending that I am looking for in a story from Jesus. I don't know about you. I like the first ending where the slave gets his debt forgiven and he gets a fresh start, a blank slate. The real ending kind of makes me question my understanding of who God is. Why would the kingdom of heaven be compared to a king who forgives so generously a debt that might be compared to a million dollars today, but then he takes back his forgiveness because of someone's choice not to forgive his neighbor? I wonder if too often we think of God's forgiveness and grace in our lives as if we have no responsibility that comes with such a gift. I wonder, have you ever thought about how many times God has forgiven you? When we step back and we take full stock of the sin, brokenness, mistakes, and failures in our lives, I think if we're honest with ourselves, we can easily see that the amount of forgiveness that we have been asked to give is nothing that compares with the forgiveness that we have received when we're on the receiving end of the forgiveness it feels like freedom right forgiveness only feels like a burden when we feel like we have to summon it up from within ourselves to give it away and forgiveness feels like an impossible burden when we're not ready to let go of our pain and our self-righteous anger I think forgiveness is harder for those of us who are privileged or maybe blind enough to believe the notion that we are good people. I confess that I generally live in that sphere. I try to be kind. I bet you do too. I try to do the right thing. I often like to think of myself as a good person. I'm courteous and I try to pay attention to when I mess up and apologize for that. But then I remember those times... When I have gotten hung up in the unforgiveness cycle at different times in my life, and man, it is no fun. Have you ever been in that spiral in your mind where you are continually replaying a conversation or a hurt that you cannot seem to think about anything else, no matter how hard you try? I've been there. I couldn't sleep. At least, not very well. I was grouchy with my family over the littlest things. I was sad or even maybe a little withdrawn at work. Maybe most people didn't know what was happening inside of my heart. Maybe they didn't know anything was wrong. But my anger and my hurt feelings were eating me alive from inside. I couldn't believe that he had said that to me. How dare he? After all I've done for him, how could she think of me that way? How could they just ignore me? What have I done to deserve this, this pain, this hurt? Over and over again, that loop just repeats in our heads. You've been there. I'm sure of it. Maybe your loop is different from mine, but we all have a loop, don't we? It's that anger fear, shame loop that keeps us trapped while we hold on to that hurt, that comment, that action. When and how does it ever end? I'm ashamed to admit to you that I have allowed that loop to continue for upwards of weeks, maybe even a month. I cried, I fussed, I seethed, I tried to sleep I thought of a million things I wished I would have said in that moment, but none of those things took away the pain. In fact, all of those things just kept me stuck in that loop. You would probably not guess this about me, but I like to hang on to my anger for a while. I get comfy with it, and it takes a while for me to get tired of it. I let it hang around for way too long. But eventually it just wears me out. I finally get to the point when I realize that holding on to my anger and my resentment is only hurting me and the relationships I have with those I love, including God. My anger becomes my armor that weighs me down and it gets in the re- way of my relationships rather than protecting me from anything, including more pain. Last time I was deep inside one of those loops with the anger, the shame, the fear, the pain, the hurt. I finally got tired of being angry, but I couldn't figure out how to forgive the person who had hurt me. I came across this uh, five-day devotional from Lisa Turkhurst on the Bible app. I don't know if y'all have that app, but it's got some great uh, Bible reading plans and devotionals on it. And this this five-day reading plan was called Forgiving What You Can't Forget. It was life-changing for me, I'm not going to lie. I want you to hear some of the words from Lisa Turkhurst that she shares. She says, when we receive forgiveness so freely from the Lord and refuse to give it, something heavy starts to form in our souls. She continues, "It's the weight of forgiveness that wasn't allowed to pass through. And for me, it's mainly because I've misunderstood something about forgiveness. Forgiveness isn't something hard that we have the option to do or not do. Forgiveness is something hard one that we have the opportunity to participate" In. So, this got me thinking, what does it really mean to forgive? Do you know what definition pops up when you Google the word forgive? This is what the first thing that pops up when you, say, when you put in forgive and Google it. To forgive is to stop feeling angry or resentful towards someone for an offense, flaw, or mistake. Isn't that the craziest thing you've ever heard? I always assume that forgiveness is about the person who is messed up. It's giving them a gift of forgiveness. But this definition has nothing to do with what has been done or the person who has caused the pain or the hurt. The definition has everything to do with the one who has been wronged. This parable in Matthew 18 from Jesus forces us to think of forgiveness, I think, as a sort of river, that flows through the world, starting with God and continuing to flow to us. And we have the opportunity to allow the river to flow through us to others. Or we can choose to dam up the river and not forgive. But damming up the river doesn't just hurt the people downstream. It also hurts the one who is choosing not to forgive. Come to think of it, maybe when I was in that anger loop in my head, my heart was actually drowning in the weight of unforgiveness. In this parable, Jesus is showing us that the kingdom of heaven is like this, a river of forgiveness, a thing that we can't conjure up out of nowhere, but we get to participate in Because we have experienced forgiveness from God. In the kingdom of heaven, a debt that can never be repaid is forgiven. We are given a new way of life, a new way to live, a life marked by forgiveness. But if we choose to be unforgiving after we have been forgiven, we are choosing death, not life. We are choosing to live by the principles of this world rather than the grace of the kingdom of heaven. When we choose unforgiveness, we are choosing to live in a kingdom other than the kingdom of heaven. We can't have it both ways. Either we are forgiven people who forgive our neighbors as many times as they ask or as many times as they sin against us, or we choose the kingdom of earth where... Everyone has to pay for what they've done. If we want to experience the freedom that comes with knowing that our sins are forgiven, we have to be willing to pass along the forgiveness to those around us. I want to be really clear about something about forgiveness. Grace is not the same thing as an excuse. Grace is never excuses the wrongdoing or the hurt that has been caused. Forgiving someone involves fully acknowledging the hurt or harm that has been done and choosing to let go of our anger and hurt anyway. Forgiveness breaks the cycle that unforgiveness perpetuates. It breaks the loop. Do we want to be people of forgiveness? Or do we want to be people of unforgiveness? I've been reading this book called Good Apple by Elizabeth Passarella. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's a rather new book. A friend of mine told me about it. But it's her story of faith and spiritual growth in the midst of life and marriage and parenting and family. And I resonate so deeply with her words. Listen to what she shares. She says, if there's any sanctification at all in my nine years of parenting, it's that I've become better at apologizing and asking for forgiveness. I have to start at the beginning of the domino line, though. God forgives me over and over and over every time I ask, even though it's for the same thing. I am the bratty nine-year-old in his eyes. And because he forgives me, I can forgive my child for being a child. And because I can look at both of us, me and that unholy mess of a kid I made, as a sinner equally horrible and equally loved, I can be humble enough to say I'm sorry. When was the last time you apologized to your kids? It doesn't matter if they're still young and live with you or if they're adults now. Apologizing to your kids is really difficult. But I've been trying to do that more lately. It's hard. But you know what I've noticed? The more I I apologize to my kids, the more I notice they are apologizing to one another when they mess up. Forgiveness really is a river of grace That flows through our lives that we get to participate in. Forgiveness multiplies the more we share it. Does the pain of the offense that happened to you go away immediately once we forgive? Of course not. The pain might take years to fade. But there's one question I bet you're asking about forgiving someone who has hurt us what if they don't apologize? What if they're not even sorry for what they've done? Once again, I want to share a few words from Lisa Turkhurst. She says, Our ability to heal cannot depend on others wanting our forgiveness, but only in our willingness to give it. When Peter asks Jesus how many times he should forgive, there is no mention of an apology. Did you notice that? Jesus only gives a number, 77, that in their world signified an infinite number of times. It actually symbolizes the perfection of God. Seven is the number of perfection. God infinitely forgives us, and thus we should infinitely forgive one another. Jesus also doesn't mention consequences being part of the equation either which our human side has a really hard time with, right? But the Bible clearly states that vengeance belongs to the Lord, not humans. Our ability to heal also cannot depend on them receiving adequate consequences for their disobedience, but only on our obedience to trust God's justice, whether we ever see it or not. Patty Griffin is one of my favorite singer-songwriters, and there's a song where, it's called Forgiveness, and she says, It's hard to give, it's hard to get, but everybody needs a little forgiveness. The children are going to come in just a moment and sing a song that represents all that we have been talking about this morning. And as they come, um, and as they sing, I invite you to ponder a few questions here. So, number one, what do you need to ask God's forgiveness for in your life? Whom do you need to forgive? Where do you need Jesus' rescue in your life? As they sing, Rescue Me, I would invite you to let this song be a prayer from your heart to God. As, they, as the children get in place in just a moment, I want to invite you in a spirit of prayer to close your eyes. It might be a little noisy as they make their way in, but that's okay. Um, we want, and, and would you close your eyes and bow your heads with me? I want to invite you to pray with me the words of Kate Bowler. This is a blessing for the grace that makes no sense. Let us pray. Blessed are we, the graced. We who don't deserve it, whose failures haunt us, the things we said, the things we left unsaid, the decisions and addictions and broken relationships that have ripple effects we still feel today. Somehow we are the recipients of this mysterious gift. Grace doesn't erase the pain or harm we've caused, but grace is still for us, the redeemable. And if we are by implication, that means they are too. Yes, even them. The rude, the estranged, the unforgiven, the selfish, and the unrepentant. Despite what we have all done and left undone, we are graced. Blessed are we who live here in this mystery, in this scandal of grace. Amen.